Episode 31 of Playing It Wrong. This episode is all about race as class. Oh no. Alright, let's get some fun stuff out of the way. Well, well, like the technical stuff that I always rant about at the beginning of the podcast. Uh, and what projects and what gaming I've done. Let's see, this week was Call of Cthulhu. Still nobody died, but we're getting close. It's getting scary. And this week we've got another session of the Sharp Swords and Sinister Spells playtest coming up. And I'll probably rant about that on the episode after next, after that uh, playtest session's done. And I'm still continuing to work my little fingers to the bone on the upcoming White Boss campaign, which is kind of what spawned this whole idea for an episode about racist class, because I'm doing lots of stuff of tweaking and uh, putting together hopefully some useful and new stuff for uh, White Box that's probably going to end up on RPG Now. So that's enough about that. All right, racist class. This is one of those OSR debates that's just as heated as ascending versus descending armor class. And we'll know in, in, in later editions that you've got the anybody can be any class, which is kind of annoying. It's not really annoying, but as I've said, and as many others have said, as let the later editions be the later editions, just kind of consider them separate games. So anyway, um, racist class. Uh, how do I stand on this? Well, I understand both debates on both sides of the argument. And oddly enough, I agree. Yes, I'm sort of like Switzerland. I want my cake and I want to eat it too. I'm not taking any sides. I'm just going to kind of do it the way I want to do it. So what the heck does that actually mean? Well, first, let's do that comparison to the newer edition. Yeah, there's a little jump there where I had a brain fart. Um, what I was trying to say is that in the old school games, I don't like the craziness of every race can be every class, first of all. Um, I don't want lots of halfling monks, gnome barbarians, and so forth. That, you know, I know it's fun. I've played the, you know, the race that doesn't fit the class archetype before in 5e, and it's a fun little diversion. But I, I just don't want that. Now, the other thing is I also understand how the demi-humans need to be special. They're just not just basically end up being a human with some cooler abilities, which is what happens if you just let them just be regular classes. This way, as a racist class, they're a little more unique. Now, here's here's what, what I'm playing with. Here's what I'm playing with in my little brain and what's going to probably pop up in some version or another in uh, my white box game and what's going to come out hopefully in PDF. So if you could dig into the bowels of my brain... I never thought I'd put those two words together. Well, anyway, the first little trick I'm doing is only the demi-humans can multi-class. So that gives them that extra weirdness that's different than humans, and they'll be limited on classes. So, like I said, no. Now humans will get the little benefit of being able to do the two-for-one boost for attribute scores. That's in lots of versions of old D&D. Um, and open to the more should say specialized classes that are beyond the basic four which i'm writing up and tweaking and and playing around with and i said and twice yes i had another 
It, it's Sunday morning and my brain is not working right yet, so give me a break, guys. Okay, with that being all said, and going back to demi-humans and multi-classing, as far as racial classes go, racial classes need to be something interesting and unique to the race, and it is kind of going to have some of the feel of multi-classing, but with its own unique abilities that make it special on its own. Let's take uh, the elf, for example. That's the primary one that most folks talk about. Your standard elf is a fighter magic user, and from what I've read somewhere in the bowels of the internet, I still have not been able to find that. This is the second time I've used the word bowels in this episode, that uh, originally D&D elves really weren't that inspired by Tolkien elves, but they were more inspired by Elric, you know, the fighter magic user. Uh, of course, I don't remember where I read that. I've tried to find it, and I can't. It could have been on Dragon's Foot somewhere. Who knows? It's one of those things. And it, I could be just making it up in my head, but I don't know. But that's the feel I get. It's it's more of a Elric feel of the fighter magic user than the Legolas hurling out arrows. So your basic your elf ends up decent at fighting and able to cast spells if they have magical armor, depending on which set of rules you use. So this makes them a pretty powerful character, and the fighter magic user combination gives you lots of options to make a single character quite dangerous. But also, depending on your rules, the way you do the multi-classing, it's going to take them a long time to advance. Now, if you boil that down into one class, it's just kind of like combine them, you need to add something beyond just you got spells, you got fighting abilities. So then rather than just combining the two class abilities and things into one class and just letting it hang there, you need to add something special. And I don't know what I'm going to do. Maybe add something like ability to cast an armor that increases as they go up in level. I'm still playing around with these ideas. So once again, you're crawling down in the depths of my brain. However, to contrast all this, you know, looking at all the races, in old school games, the especially if they have separate stats for stats and abilities for just the race, they've got some pretty cool abilities. So if you tack those on to another class, that's once again you're getting something you know pretty powerful. And I know game balance isn't a big thing in old editions, but you don't want one character being Batman. So my other theory on this project, it, on this on this concept rather than project, is to limit the racial abilities within the class. For this example, I'm going to jump over to dwarves because if you look at uh, swords and wizardry, especially white box, they get a plus four to save versus magic. So if I'm doing, in this case, I'm doing a special dwarven cleric-y thing. I'm probably going to change their save bonuses to maybe plus two versus magic and plus two versus, say, poison. Or change some of the, especially the one that I, I really don't like this, is the half damage from giants and ogres. I don't like it. I don't like it. I might change that to like an armor class bonus against giants and uh, ogres or something like that. You know, so that's what I'm doing. Now, now what you want to do, well, that's up to you. But I can give you some, well... You've seen all my thoughts, so you see some guidelines. And I want to bring up one other thing that I did, <coughs> excuse me, especially if um, perhaps you're playing Dungeon Crawl Classics or you're doing some other tweaks. Now, uh, Dungeon Crawl Classics also has races class, and that's a big, you know, that's a big thing, races class. So you're 
a dwarf, a halfling, um, elf. Yeah, that's the other one. Ugh. And what I decided to house rule in while I was running DCC was from, I think it was Crawl Z1. It was one of the early issues where they did multi-classing rules for Dungeon Crawl Classics. My house rule was you have to take your first level after you get through the funnel as the racial class. And then after that, they can multi-class into other appropriate classes depending on the race. And that was kind of eh, made up as I went along, but you know. I do that a lot. And as I'm sitting here all scatterbrained, I think it's time to sum up what my thoughts on race and class is. Race and class can work, but they need to be interesting classes beyond the normals. It's okay to let demi-humans multi-class if they want to, but, you know, that comes with some baggage. Like anything, make it feel right for your game, your world, and your players. That's the number one rule. So, yes, I'm sure someone will think that my... Uh, Opinion is wishy-washy of trying to have it both ways, and well, I kind of like what I'm doing. You know, races class is good. Limiting the races to certain classes is good, and letting non-human races play some of the other classes is good. So, yeah, that's my opinion. And that's enough about race of class, race as class. Sorry, guys. Sorry, guys. Uh, that's enough about race as class for now. I want to do a little update on the world of Zoom, which, like I said at the beginning, yes, I'm doing a white box campaign. And if you haven't paid attention to the blog or previous episodes, the world of Zoom is the world that I've used for 5e and DCC. And pretty soon it's going to be the same world that I'm using for the white box campaign. But each time I make additional tweaks and little changes based on the previous campaigns. I've decided something I'm going to do on this one something that I did way back in the early days that I forgot that I did. I'm going to change up on how the gods interact a little bit to make it more interesting. Back in the day, did the gods much more like the Roman and the Norse gods where they would kind of pop down to the material plane and kind of mess around and slum it for a while. And especially we've noticed in later editions that the gods are always this nebulous off in their own little plane of whatever, and indirectly uh, interact with the world. A little occasional more of direct interaction. Also some crazy ideas for clerics too, but I'm, I'm saving that for blog fodder. You know, okay, I'll, I'll, say, I'll tell you now, I'll tell you now. The idea of clerics as a cleric of a specific god is one of those things that's kind of bugged me on clerics but I can live with it. But I've always wanted to mess around with the idea of the clerics are a conduit to the gods. So if a cleric needs healing, he prays to the god of healing. If he needs something else, he prays to the god of whatever. So they're not a specific god. They'll still be like controlled, limited by their alignment, but not tied to a specific god just because that's the way it is. I don't know. That's just an idea that's bounced around in my head, and who knows? It may bounce out, fall on the floor, or get kicked in the gutter, or I may run with it in some other direction. I don't know. Just sharing it with you here. So I think I've rambled on long enough, and if I do any more, I'm probably going to uh, bite my own tongue or somehow uh, inflict other injury on myself because I'm acting really, 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 really clumsy this morning. Really, you don't know how many times I stopped and deleted stuff where I got tongue-tied. 
So that is my slow-witted uh, cast for today. Uh, thank you for listening. And I'm going to throw in, here's the end credits with all the stuff. You know the drill. And thanks for listening. Please visit the blog at theymightbegazebos.blog. That's theymightbegazebos.blog. And the letter B, not B, spelled out. Or visit us on Facebook and just search for They Might Be Gazebos. Ask us questions and you might get an answer. If not, we'll just make up the questions and the answers. Remember, roll dice, kill monsters, take their stuff, and have fun. Intro music is Metal Mania by Kevin McLeod, licensed under Creative Commons 3.0 Attribution License. Please visit his website at incompetech.com. That's incompetech.com. Really, visit it. There's also downloadable graph paper and hex paper. Additional sound effects from freesound.org, used under Creative Commons 01.0 Universal License.